Hello, I'm Renee San Miguel, and this is Science Matters, the podcast of the Georgia Tech College of Sciences. A fury is building on the surface of the sun. Jets of super-hot gas. Rising waves of fire. The most violent explosions in our solar system. Yes, that's the voice of Marvel's Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch, narrating a documentary on solar storms that rage on the sun's surface. Journey into our star. to explore its inner workings. The choice of narrator in this National Science Foundation, or NSF, video is appropriate. The documentary's visualizations, built from a gazillion bytes of data on supercomputers, look like they're from a Hollywood sci-fi blockbuster. Clouds of swirling yellow gases mix with the deep reds and oranges of the simulated sun's surface. And experience the power of solar superstorms. On May 25, 2016, Cumberbatch's voice echoed through a Capitol Hill briefing room as the Solar Superstorms documentary screened for congressional staffers. Scientists who worked on the video spoke about the need for more research on space weather like solar storms and how important supercomputers are in that effort. Another voice soon joined Cumberbatch's at the briefing in Washington, D.C., that of John Weiss, the Dunn Family Associate Professor of Physics at Georgia Tech. So that's where I, I had to testify where supercomputers come into the scientific process and, and how they are very useful tools. They certainly have been for Wise. He uses supercomputers and hundreds of terabytes of data to put together computational simulations of cosmological events. Keep in mind that one terabyte equals a trillion bytes of data. That's a one followed by 12 zeros. Weiss's simulations open a window to the birth of galaxies, stars, and black holes. Through further computer visualization wizardry, he then converts those simulations into spectacular videos. The spectacle, however, shouldn't overshadow the value these visualization tools bring to scientists. Wise is building potential models for how galaxies are born. He'll then check data from astronomers and see if they fit one of his models. If they match up, he's built a possible representation of what happened billions of years ago when cosmic dust was still coming together to form stars and galaxies. Time-evolving visualizations give insight into dynamics that are impossible to understand from quantitative analysis alone. Only through simulation can we study this era. That is from a 2017 visualization Wise worked on called First Light in the Renaissance, about the formation of the very first galaxies. The computers needed to make the data come alive for all of us to see must have powerful computer cores or processors to crunch all that digital information. Georgia Tech has a supercomputer, but it doesn't have enough power to perform these supermassive computations. Wise uses National Science Foundation-funded supercomputers for his visualizations, which have won awards. His work is in the Solar Superstorms documentary. We begin our conversation with Wise with his definition of computational cosmology, and how computers now play a vital role in the search for the origins of the universe. So cosmology is the study of the universe as a whole, but it evolves over millions or even billions of years. Mm -hmm. 
and to actually understand how it evolves over these long time scales, we can use computers to actually see how they evolve and along with like galaxies, how they evolve and form stars. Mm -hmm. And computers we use as a tool. I mean, you can use the vast range of, of processors around the nation, these supercomputers around the nation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we program these tremendous codes to actually crunch the numbers that physics tells us. These computer codes, they, they have the physics equations mm -hmm. in them and we have a we actually have a set of initial conditions mm -hmm. and just physics tells that box what to do okay. and it evolves over time and we study how that how the system the universe evolves what is the attraction for you with this this isn't exactly like looking through a telescope or just you know checking out radio telescope readings that kind of thing why why have you built up all this experience running these these data simulations on a variety of supercomputers uh, around around the world. what What's in this for you? Well, I like programming to start out with, and I also like physics and astronomy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't know, I've always liked math and science as a kid, and then I discovered programming when I was about 14 at a summer school. And to do this, you have to enjoy what you like, what you do. Yeah. So, yeah, so physics, I mean, it's really intriguing, and it tells us how nature works. Mm -hmm. And we can use you know, computers, these supercomputers, and we have to program them to do what, the, what nature tells us to do, and, and I enjoy programming. So, I mean, I enjoy that, and I mean, and by doing that, we get to understand how the universe works. I'm curious why you would need to use numerical simulations uh, in, in the first place to study how galaxies and black holes are formed. How would that information be more useful to you than, say, I don't know, the latest observatory telescope photos or the latest uh, data from radio telescope? When you look through a telescope, it's just a snapshot in time. You can't just lay back and watch it evolve like typical experiments on Earth, mm -hmm. where we have to we have to look at those data from the telescope or a radio te telescope that we have and we have to match it with these simulations. And if we get a match, like something similar, a similar galaxy in the simulation, we can actually go back in time in the simulation to actually see how it, how it evolves and forms. Because you can kind of rewind. That's right, yeah, yeah. It's really cool to, to see all this in action. And we can compress like you know 10 billion years in one minute of, of visualization. Now that to me says you're working with some extremely powerful supercomputers. What what exactly is needed to crunch this kind of data for your visualization? Yeah, so first we need to produce the simulation. It's a lot of data that's being produced on the order of like a terabyte, 10 terabytes, even up to 100 terabytes of data. Yeah. And you know, we work on all sorts of computers. How we actually develop this, we develop this on regular laptops and desktops. We can run small simulations. Yeah to actually get the code working to our, um, to our satisfaction. Yeah. And then you work up to larger and larger computers. Like at Tech, we have a supercomputer that has about 20,000 compute cores. And so we do medium scale simulations on those, taking about uh, you know, power of 1,000 laptops, 1,000 cores. And then we get moved to uh, national supercomputers, which have nowadays a million cores. So oh a million, gosh. yeah. How much more powerful are those computers than what we have here at Georgia Tech? It's about uh, ten times larger. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and, and they—if you ever gone, 
if you ever see one of these, they take up a whole room and they're so noisy with all the fans and yeah. That's yeah. a lot of power. You have to keep cool to, to right. make sure that they'll, they'll do the work that you want them to do. Where do you do most of your, of your visualization work when it comes to those larger computers? Where are the, the national supercomputers that you uh -huh. use? So the main one that I use is NSF computer called Blue Waters. It's, it's at the University of Illinois at the NCSA. That's the National Center for Supercomputer Applica applications. Okay. Yep. So, so we do most of our simulations there. Some idea of the time involved in, in getting to that point. Yeah. So the simulation itself, it can take anywhere from three weeks or two months to run. So the longest simulation that we've ever run took nine months to run on this Blue Waters machine. Okay. And to actually visualize it, it takes, you know, it, it's a working process where you do some low resolution image and then you work up to like production quality. And that probably takes you know, a week or two weeks to actually get just right. You've been able to break new ground in, in, in astrophysics using these simulations? Yes, definitely, because, you know, we run this huge simulation, it's a bunch of zeros and ones, it's a lot of data, but to actually understand what's going on, we have to visualize it first yeah. to understand, you know, how they, how they evolve over time and what's interesting in these galaxies. And, you know, a lot of work has been put into the visualization software. Mm -hmm. I mean, first you run the simulation, that's all the physics, but visualization, that has some physics, but a lot of it is art and what kind of color you pick, how, yeah. how opaque things are, how transparent things are, to make it visually appealing and how to make things like kind of pop at you. Yeah. You know, it's kind of what you, they do in Hollywood. Did this, th these simulations help you with a study that you released in March of 2017 that theorized how fast a supermassive black hole could grow? And it all depends on how big the neighboring galaxies are and what kind of gravitational right. uh, pull is there. Did, did what you're doing here with simulations help you with that study? We saw an instance where a supermassive black hole could have formed, mm -hmm. but we were wondering why. So by visualizations, we could see like nearby galaxies and, and what was actually you know, causing that collapse of, it's actually a, a massive gas cloud that collapses, but doesn't form stars in normal circumstances. Mm -hmm. They would collapse and form stars. By looking at what was actually happening with visualizations, this, this helped us understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, we had a, a picture in our mind then and then we could actually dig into the data even more, like to actually get physical quantities, like you know how massive was the object, how how quickly was the gas flowing in toward this proto black hole. Wise says visualizations also help the human eye recognize patterns in what they're seeing, which can lead scientists in new directions within the data. He hopes the addition of machine learning soon can help his computers spot those patterns within the simulations. In the meantime, his visualizations could plant the seeds of discovery and a lifelong passion for studying the cosmos in students. Some of my visualizations have been shown in planetariums. So, I mean, high school students, K through 12 students have, have gone through this planetarium. And, and yeah, for kids to actually see those and be wowed by the universe, yeah. it, it can really make an imprint on them at a young age and and guide them more or kind of launch them into scientific careers. I actually participate in uh, something called STEM Power at, at Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. And this is where Girl Scouts, this uh, last month we had about 100 Girl Scouts come through. And we have a visualization studio here which have a 3D capability. So they watched several 3D movies oh, of nice. our simulations. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, they're great. They're brilliant. They're like, I think the, the girls were 
between eight and 12 years old, mm-hmm. and their questions were like yeah. outstanding. Have you ever uh, seen the result of one of your visualizations, all this work you put in, that you, you, you're sitting there, your, your, your jaw's on the floor, you're going, wow, I had no idea that this could look that good. Yeah, I, I mean, especially going to scale, like I, I can make a small image, you know, something pretty small, like 200 pixels across just to test things out. But when I make the, the real deal mm-hmm. and, and at ultra high resolution, say like a 4K resolution or even like 8K resolution, this is when I'm wowed. Like when when things, you know, are showing on the big screen, yeah. I, I think, in, and in 3D as, as well. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, like sometimes, you know, making pretty pictures, that's one of my favorite parts yeah. of my job. Yeah, to see everything, all, all our work in the past months or even years put together in, in this beautiful visualization. That's John Wise, the Dunn Family Associate Professor in the School of Physics. The focus of Wise's research group for the rest of 2018 will be to continue studying how the first stars and galaxies formed and how they might appear through next-generation telescopes such as NASA's James Webb Space Telescope, set to launch in 2020. Our thanks to Cyan Joe, a research associate with the School of Psychology, for composing our theme music. I'm Renee San Miguel, and you've been listening to Science Matters, the podcast of the Georgia Tech College of Sciences. <laughs>